COVID-19 pandemic has exponentially accelerated adoption of telehealth and heightened consumer expectations, requiring health systems to reimagine their role in virtual care. Telehealth presents a unique opportunity for health systems to establish themselves in the consumer circle of trust through whole person virtual care, but an organization's strategy and mindset may dictate success or failure in that endeavor. Welcome to The Source from the ATA, conversations about telehealth and virtual care from the thought leaders, experts, and visionaries who are working to change the way the world thinks about healthcare. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Bruce Brandis, the Senior Vice President for Consumer-Centered Virtual Care at Teladoc, a company whose leadership in the evolution of virtual care has been front and center, especially over the past year. Join Bruce and I as we talk through the ways that a digital-first, whole-person approach can be the catalyst to transform the clinical and financial models through which care is delivered. Bruce, thanks so much for joining us today on The Source. Greg, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. So you have been uh, with Teladoc for some time now, and that's where we're going to spend most of our, our time today is talking about sort of the perspective that you've gained working for that industry-leading company. But before we dive in there, I would love to sketch in a little bit of background on you. What are some of the things that pointed you in your career to the place you're sitting today? Yeah, thanks for that, Greg. Um so I feel like I've worked my entire 30-year career for this moment in time in our industry uh, for the opportunities that we have in front of us. Uh, I started my career with IBM, which just so happened to assign me to the healthcare vertical. And I've spent most of my career uh, with early growth stage software and technology companies uh, in healthcare, helping helping to grow and hopefully make an impact. I was early in electronic health records, uh, was uh, fortunate to be part of a company that became the face of iPhone and iPad in healthcare as they launched those products and, uh, and worked very closely with Apple as we were defining uh, mobility in healthcare before we had uh, the digital health moniker for it. Um, I also spent some time uh, helping health systems move from fee-for-service toward value-based care, did a stint uh, running a healthcare venture fund, uh, as well as uh, took a hand at a startup uh, in the digital health space. And uh, and most recently, uh, I, I joined Teladoc through Livongo uh, and have been fortunate uh, to, to be able to apply a lot of the learnings that I've had from so many different seats across the industry in the through the years uh, to hopefully uh, roll forward us collectively as an industry taking advantage of the opportunity that sits in front of us today. Fantastic. And I think your perspective is going to be a really interesting one, given where you've been uh, in the way you came through that door at Teladoc. And I think an interesting place to start would be just to talk a little bit about from a hospital perspective, from a health system perspective, a provider of care. Tell me about what you've seen happening in telehealth over the last couple of years and how that has really changed as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I think everyone recognizes that the trends that were already underway over the last several years were significantly accelerated um, because of the pandemic. And, and I think uh, what ultimately will stay with us, in addition just to the accelerated uh, delivery of a lot of these solutions that we're talking about, um, the things that will stay are, one, our consumer expectations uh, to have the opportunity for virtual care visits and how they interact with their their providers in a way that is closer to 
the experiences that we as consumers have in every other area of our of our lives. The other thing that that I think has changed is provider confidence in virtual care as as a really valid high quality way to deliver care uh, and very efficient in many cases. And, and it's because we eliminated a lot through the work that ATA does, we've eliminated a lot of the, the barriers that would otherwise have historically restricted or limited care so that consumers and providers get a taste of it. The other thing that I think has happened that's really important to take note of is um, the, the new incumbent, the new, uh, the new investments that have been made and the new entrants who have come in and accelerated their role in the, what the next generation of healthcare is going to look like because of the way historically incumbents have addressed the issues that were exposed through the pandemic. And mm-hmm. so I think that there's a, someone is going to figure out how to meet the new demands of the market, both from consumers and providers. And the, I think the jury is out as to which organization, which segment of the market really steps up, whether it's the incumbents or the new entrants uh, to, to take the rightful place uh, in terms of where healthcare needs to go. Now, that totally makes sense. And I guess I'm, I'm really curious it, along those lines, hospitals have often thought about care as an episodic thing, uh, a transactional thing. That obviously has been changing too, but it feels as though the emergence of telehealth and ultimately virtual care play into that as well. Again, putting on your provider hat, how are providers thinking about that broader spectrum of care today? Yeah, that's a a great question. So first of all, I'll make the observation, as you called out, um, originally looking at telemedicine visits as as a better version of an episode of care. Uh, I, I like to use the analogy thinking about since we've all been in our homes uh, watching Netflix over the last year. If you think about Netflix, when they first got started, they they started with a better version of a one-to-one interaction with the consumer where they mailed DVDs to your house, which was better than driving to Blockbuster and getting charged a rewind fee. But it really wasn't transformational until Netflix thought about what is the digital first approach that we can take to create a one-to-many experience that leverages data science to truly hyper-personalize an individual consumer experience um, in, that's 10x better, not just incrementally better, but 10x better. And so when I think about where we are in healthcare, I think we all recognize that a one-to-one episode of care with a telemedicine visit is table stakes. It, it, the, the real question becomes, how do we leverage that to create a one-to-many experience? How do we build off of the new consumer expectations and provider acceptance um, to create a one-to-many experience that truly uh, is exponentially better, that creates that 10x better experience that becomes transformational for the industry? And I think for health systems, that creates uh, a really interesting moment in time right now as they think about where they need to go. You know, Many have made investments because they had to in a hurry to meet sure. the, the, the better version of a, a one-to-one interaction for an episodic visit. I think now we have folks who are taking a step back saying, where strategically do we need to be in two years and five years? And do we have the right foundation? Do we have a platform mm-hmm. that's purpose-built for healthcare that, that allows us to think about virtual care as a complement to our in-person care and finding it's not an either or, either virtual care or in-person care. Increasingly, it's actually in-person care and virtual care. 
and ensuring that the best of, of each one of those delivery mechanisms are available to the consumers and providers so they can choose what the right vehicle is at any given moment for this particular patient, for this condition, uh, for this, this issue. And so I think uh, as we start thinking about where we need to go as an industry, I think it's really those that will be successful are those who can figure out how to fuse uh, naturally and seamlessly uh, in-person care with virtual care. And I think health systems have a great opportunity to play a key role in that. Excellent. And I may want to come back to that, Bruce, because I am really curious about what you're seeing as to where hospitals are on that continuum of readiness for change. Obviously, when you're in a conservative, highly regulated industry, change can be difficult. But before we go there, I actually want to talk a little bit about trust. There's always been such a core of trust in the doctor-patient relationship, the, the, the patient-clinician relationship, let's say. Talk to me a little bit about how that is either enhanced or decreased in, in a virtual care setting. What does that look like? And you know how have you seen that change over the last couple of years? Yeah, well, trust is a key word. Um, and, and as we start thinking about that, and, and we talk about in-person and virtual care coming together, there, there's a, a tremendous opportunity as we think about who, who is going to earn their position in the circle of trust of the healthcare, not patient, but the, the healthcare consumer, think more broadly. Mm. And increasingly, as we identify that the consumer is at the center of care, if we believe that, it's time to recognize that that consumer is really confused because healthcare is so fragmented, they can't do it on their own, they can't figure it out, so they need a trusted partner. And that position, I would contend right now, is really up for grabs. You have big tech companies, big retailers, big health plans, uh, as well as new entrants who are coming in, uh, many of whom have deep, deep pockets and a deep understanding of consumer behavior outside of healthcare and deep data to understand that consumer. and they're all vying for that position. The approach that, that we at Teladoc are taking is we believe as we get pulled into that, that circle clearly for the consumer in, in the circle mm -hmm. of trust, we actually believe that trust is earned locally and we believe it's, that healthcare is local. And so what we really want to be able to do is lean in and partner with the hospitals and health systems locally to empower them. Because inherently, we as consumers when we break our leg or have a heart attack, immediately think and trust our local health system. The problem is all too often, the other 99.99% of the time when we're just living our lives, we don't think of the local health system. So we're susceptible to being influenced by these other folks that are reaching out to us. Sure. And, and, and to, the opportunity and risk is, the, the risk is that can further disintermediate the local health system away from the consumer and away from the first premium dollar. And, and relegate them to be a downstream price taker with a tower of ICUs and a trauma center. Or there's a great opportunity for health systems to lean in and really claim their, their rightful spot. And that's the approach that we take. We want to be the, the tech enabler uh, and the network enabler for health systems to be able to do that. I'm curious, and this, this may be a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down, but I'm curious about how much the way that we think about paying for healthcare has to change in order for that model to work really well. In other words, do we need to move completely away from fee-for-service into a more value-based world? I, 
how how do you see reimbursement impacting that ultimate view of the patient? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, um, and this is something that I've struggled with for a good chunk of my career as I thought mm-hmm. about, you know, why aren't we doing the what I would perceive to be the right thing in many cases? And it's because incentives are misaligned. And so I think it's naive to think that fee-for-service medicine is going away. I, sure. I, 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 I've been around long enough to know that that change doesn't happen as fast as people intuitively think it should. That said, I, I think it's it's indisputable that that is the trend. And, and health systems and all these other organizations coming in, someone needs to figure out how to align incentives to be compensated for doing the right thing. And that is a journey more meaningfully into taking on risk and value-based care. And, mm-hmm. and so I think the key is to create a model that works in a fee-for-service world that actually in, in appropriate ways plants the seed and allows cost justification to build the foundation of the platform that I was describing that gives you the data, the, the pipes, the, the, the insights, and the ability to affect behavior change that enables you to more intelligently as a health system start to take on risk and to know what you're getting yourself into and have a mechanism to drive behavior change and have lower cost uh, settings, uh, the ability to close gaps in care, all the all the reasons why health plans and employers mm. have really embraced and driven virtual care. I think there's an opportunity for health systems to lean in in a meaningful way. Um, and and I, I think it ultimately, we need to be taking on more and more risk as providers. But I don't think you have to wait until you're wholly at risk to start making these investments because I don't sure if you, if you don't have the investments made that are serving you in a fee for service world that allow you to make the transition successfully, mm. you'll never get there. Yeah, and it's fascinating to think that the data that are captured by the very nature of a virtual care relationship is so important in order to be able to make good decisions around how best to serve a population uh, and how best to serve a patient. So it, it makes complete sense. Well, and if you think about health systems, really, they have a blind spot to what's happening in the lives of the people they consider their patients. Mm. The vast majority they're living the time, if they're not in their office and they're not in the hospital, you, especially you know, for people who are more acutely ill or have chronic conditions, you know, you're, you're really not meeting that consumer where they are. And you're flying blind if you're looking to take risk on those uh, populations because you don't have the insights that, frankly, a health plan may have or, frankly, their local drugstore may have. And and, and so, uh, you know, that's a, a big part of the data science that underlies um, all that we're doing at Teladoc that, that really um, provides an outsized advantage to have visibility to shine a light into that blind spot that providers have to help them to understand uh, how to get a level data playing field as they're negotiating risk-based deals so that they yep. set themselves up for success in a risk-based arrangement. Completely makes sense. And as we think about, again, building that broader view of the patient is a, is a trust enhancer for sure for the provider. And we've talked a little bit about how important that is. I'm curious whether there are other examples that you would cite where virtual care is really fitting into a one-to-one model of care versus one-to-many. Can you say more about that? Yeah, well, I, I think that the key to that when we, is 
well, we look at this two ways. The, the, what is the one-to-many model around which I can more cost-effectively get a view into what's happening in the lives of the populations that I'm mm-hmm. serving um, when I'm not physically with them or I'm not online with a one-to-one episode of care? And most people refer to that as, oh, that's remote patient monitoring. And, 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 and that's the one-to-many. And, and conceptually, I agree with it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just share with you, you know, two perspectives. Um, one is I think the words are wrong. Uh, or perhaps a bit antiquated, because if we truly believe the consumer is at the center, the word remote kind of still implies that the physician or the or the hospital is at the center. And we have to recognize that people want to be thought of first as a person and want to minimize the amount of time that they have to be a patient. Ideally, we never have to be patients. Or, or and, and so, so to be thought of as a patient before being thought of as a person or a consumer I think is a missed opportunity in in mindset. And then finally, I don't want to be monitored because that kind of feels like big brother doing something (laughs) to me. But what I want is to be empowered as a consumer with the knowledge and data that I need to share with back to trust with the organizations and the providers and the friends and family who I trust to help me on my health journey. So that's kind of the first thing. The second thing is because the term remote patient monitoring has been around for a while, it means lots of different things to different people. So I think, you know, there, you have to really unpack the use cases for what do you mean when you, yeah. when you say remote patient monitoring. And I think the real opportunity is instead of looking at all these individual use cases individually to take a step back and say, we need to look at all of this, the one-to-one episodes of care and remote patient monitoring or remote monitoring more holistically looking at. Um, the entire health journey as someone improves or deteriorates uh, through their health journey throughout all these different scenarios so that we're not buying siloed systems for each one of these areas mm-hmm. and, and further risking further fragmenting care and, and disintermediating the relationship with the consumer. So I think it's really critical that virtual care be viewed as an opportunity to unify care across the full continuum rather than episodically looking at individual use cases. It reminds me uh, of back in the 80s and, and early 90s in, in healthcare when hospitals were buying siloed departmental apps for pharmacy, lab, radiology, surgery, which ultimately never talked to each other. And then the health system realized, now we've got to figure out how to integrate this. And that's really what gave rise to the enterprise medical record and a, and a broader yeah. view uh, of, of the importance of integration. So when you think about virtual care really being that integrating factor that allows for the whole person care to happen, how much is that a part of Teladoc's vision for the future? Can you say a little bit more around how Teladoc, and obviously there's been the highly publicized uh, joining together with Livongo. Tell us more about how Teladoc is grasping that vision and, and making it real today. Yeah, well, you mentioned it. First of all, just um, by bringing the former InTouch Health, Livongo, and Teladoc, the legacy Teladoc, all under one umbrella, it's really recognizing that you, you can't define somebody by their condition. You can't look at them just by an episode of care. You can't look at them just based on that they have a chronic condition, and maybe I'm treating these chronic conditions separately. Um, and and uh, we we look at the needs of the whole person. Because really, back to trust, how do I earn trust? It's by people knowing me. And if you're treating me as a condition or a transaction, you really don't know me. 
And so it's important to us in, in having put together not only the technologies and, and experiences and clients that we have and members that we have, um, now as we're integrating that under one platform to create an integrated experience um, wherever you are on the continuum, whether it's you know chronic conditions in the home or on the go and uh, ambulatory visits in the office uh, or, where, or wherever you may be uh, mm. and chronic or uh, acute, complex acute care in the ICU and all points in between to have one platform and one data science layer. And this is why scale is so important and, and why we've really stepped on the gas. We have 70 million members in 175 countries worldwide. So the data that we capture across the board, looking holistically at, at all of these uh, points along the way to take a look and really get to know the, the person where, wherever they may choose to initially interact with us, that we recognize this is the same person. And they have not only diabetes, but they suffer from hypertension and, um, and they're in search of a primary care doctor that they haven't, and they haven't had primary care visit in, in two years, and they haven't had their eye exam. You know, for us to be able to be able to look holistically and know how to, how to hyper-personalize through our data, a way to meet that individual where they are is, is a very unique and compelling opportunity and that is something, it's a responsibility that we at Teladoc take very seriously and think that we are uniquely positioned um, to deliver. Fantastic. And I, I, I mentioned that I would want to come back to this, but as you think about the health systems that are out there today, we have a lot of listeners who work within a hospital or a health system. They are providing care. They are in the midst of this transition and are, are thinking about how do we, I, I buy the vision, but how do we get there? Do you have any words of wisdom in terms of how they get from point A to point B to overcome the objectives, the internal hurdles? Um, what, what would you say to that listener today? Yeah, L let me first give a little background and perspective from another industry that I think mm. we all know so we can see how this movie is likely to end. <laughs> If you look at what happened in retail, back to the, the point of integrating digital and, and physical, if, if you look at what happened in, in retail, Amazon came in and clearly created a great consumer experience um, when you wanted to buy something, starting with books, but then clearly not stopping there. They, they have subsequently acquired Whole Foods, start open Amazon Go stores, bookstores. So they've moved into bricks and mortar. Mm -hmm. And you know the, now the rumor is they're they're going to be building pharmacies, and so and, and then look on the other side of retail, and this is where I see the analogy to to health systems. Look at the incumbent retailers. There were some who really leaned in to digital and and didn't uh, didn't delay in integrating it into their business and and executing on the strategies. And if you look at how Home Depot and Walmart and Target have handled their digital experiences for their consumers mm -hmm. and leveraged their incumbent position as bricks and mortar to really um, differentiate themselves in the market. It's really been transformational. If you look at their stocks, I think that you know that would um, reinforce that point. But mm -hmm. then if you look at um, the folks that took a little while to, to think about it or, um, or didn't really understand or maybe placed uh, bets in the wrong places or, or picked mm -hmm. the wrong partners as relates to their digital strategies, uh, or didn't really believe in it as core to their business. It was kind of an, an offset thing. Um, look at where Sears and JCPenney and Kmart are 
and it really yeah. excel again back to accelerating trends. It accelerated, um, I think, you know, the outcome that that they were probably on a path to. And so I think as we look at the opportunity for healthcare today, it, it's really one. This needs to be a board level strategic imperative to take mm-hmm. a look at what are the top strategic priorities of the organization, whether it be around you know a shift toward value based care, whether it be around health inequities, whether it be around consumerism, um, dealing with clinician burnout. You can go board level discussions. How do we think about what role digital can play and what virtual care can play to to totally change the paradigm? Because what we're facing right now is a transformational opportunity for those who do it right and an existential threat for those who become laggards. Yep. I think that is a great place to close this conversation out, Bruce. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. When people want to find out more information about you and about Teladoc, they can check the show notes here on the AT, the source page. Um, but as people want to learn more about Teladoc, where where would they go? Well, certainly feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at uh, bruce.brandes, uh, B-R-A-N-D-E-S at Teladoc, T-E-L-A-D-O-C health.com. And I would encourage you to uh, our website, clearly teledochealth.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Bruce. Hey, thank you, Greg. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I want to thank the ATA for the great work they're doing. 